love that video. Has anybody seen themselves in that? Broken vessel, restored, made new, right? Cracked, blemished, but made whole again. I, I love it. That is a, that's a, a light covering, right? The light, light shines through even the cracks. The light shines through even brighter. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful picture. My name is Pat Lassard. I get to be one of the pastors here and a part of the preaching team. Uh, if you're new with us, we are continuing on our series of Rebuilding After Brokenness, a study through Nehemiah. And uh, this series has been immensely true for us because uh, we have been and are on the beginning of the journey of rebuilding the church post-pandemic. Uh, this has been a wild and crazy season that we have been in and are coming out of, being distanced and being masked and pivoting in some major ways uh, to virtual, right, to virtually connecting and, and being faithful with the things that God has called us to as a church. And it has been a dividing polarizing time for the church. Uh, there have been camps that have been formed from those that have faith to those that uh, seek to be submissive, like those are mutually exclusive or something. Those that seek to honor the governing authorities and those that uh, rebel. Those that choose to love others and sacrifice to love others and those that choose to stand up for themselves. It, it has been immensely dividing. Like all of those are mutually exclusive, like those can't exist in the same place and time and navigate those well. It has been immensely complicated. The church has, more churches have closed at record numbers over this last year. More churches have been divided at record numbers. It has been immensely broken. Now, this is new territory. Uh, this, is, this is new territory for us. Uh, and as we look to Nehemiah, it was new territory for him. He had never rebuilt a wall before, and we had never worked through a pandemic before. How many of you, you have been through something immensely difficult? and came out better for it, came through stronger after it. Isn't that amazing? The grace of God. We would say that's true for our church too. We would. We would say that we, there has been a refining, there has been a pruning that has been taking place and we have been made stronger for it. It has forced us to be more focused than ever about the heart, the purpose, the nature, the direction of our church. We are committed to carrying out all that God is wanting to do in and through our church, and we are not done yet. This is a team effort. This is a team effort, hands down. God has given us a vision and a mission, and it is about rebuilding. If you're new with us, our vision is to see our whole communities, to see our communities change through the hope in Jesus one person at a time. And how we're going to go about doing that is by passionately pursuing Jesus, radically loving one another, compassionately serving our neighbors, and relationally discipling all people. And that's a team effort. 
And there is much rebuilding that needs to take place within these walls and outside of these walls. And here we are. And so we look to Nehemiah to go, okay, what was God doing there? What did he do there? What, what is true and applicable for us as we try and walk out this rebuilding of God's people, of God's place, and of God's name? So here we are. Now, um, as we started here, in Nehemiah 1.3, it said this. The report came to Nehemiah as he was serving a foreign king. He was a uh, bodyguard for the king, uh, serving as a cupbearer. Uh, it said this. And they said to me, oh, here's Bibles if you need one. Uh, feel free to turn there on your phones or the Bible you brought with you. But we got a copy here as we're using the ESV. Uh, just raise your hand and they'll hook you up there. Chapter 1, verse 3 says this, And they said to me, The remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are destroyed by fire. That happened like a uh, hundred years later. This report comes from the first people coming back uh, to rebuild. It's still in a lot of shame. It's in a shameful place. And then where we're going to finish today, we're going to jump to chapter 12, verse 43. I'm going to kind of like, you know, burn through some of these. So if you have a hard time uh, staying with me, it's on the screen, and I apologize in advance. Uh, where we finish today, it says this, uh, chapter 12, verse 43, and they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced. For God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and the children also rejoiced, and the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. So we have this, it was guilt and shame. It was broken. And then there was some amazing rejoicing that took place there. And there was a lot of things that happened in between to lead to this beautiful, full of joy place. If you're with us last week, you know in chapter, uh, chapter six that the wall was finally rebuilt. And Tyler did a fantastic job with that message. They finished building the wall because they didn't quit. When it, ha when it got hard and they had opposition, they didn't quit. Verse 15 and 16 of chapter six, uh, he finished with this. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elul, in 52 days, that's around September. And when all of our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem. For they perceived this is, that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. And Tyler said, God didn't build the wall. The people didn't build the wall alone, right? But it was God working through the people. And it was the people working with and for God. It was God's work that the people had to work and they could not do it without God's help. May that be 1,000% true for us. It is God's work that the people have to work and we cannot do it without God. May that be true of us carrying out our vision and our mission and all the ministry that we do. God's work, that we have to work, but we cannot do it without him.
So here we go. The wall was built, but the book doesn't end there in chapter six, right? There's several more chapters. Uh, I lost a bet with our lead pastor. And so today I'm gonna be covering chapter seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, and 12. I don't know why everybody else gets to get just one chapter, but here we go. So this is how we're gonna do this. How many of you have skipped a stone across water? Okay, you wing back, right? And you skip that sucker, it's nice and flat, and you skim the surface, but then it sinks deep somewhere. Okay, so that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna touch on some of these chapters. We're gonna highlight a key verse that, that reflects that chapter well, but we're gonna sink deep in one area in particular. Okay, we're gonna cover some good territory today. Now we're talking about vitals today. Vitals. The wall was built, but the people, place, and name of God was not rebuilt yet. The wall was rebuilt, but the book doesn't end there. We're not done yet. There was still a rebuilding that needed to take place. The people of God still needed to be rebuilt. The place of God still needed to be rebuilt. The name of God still needed to be rebuilt. There were some vital elements that still took place that we're gonna point to, highlight to, and see how it's true for us. You know about vitals. Here's a picture, picture of a monitor of vitals. Hold, hold. Here it is. Well, maybe not. You know about vitals. Blood, oxygen, saturation levels, right? Heart rate, respiratory rate, right? Temperature. You need these in order to be healthy. You need these in order to survive. They need to be at this right place, this right ratio, this right rate. And when it's off, you're in trouble. And most of us have stories or know others, stories about others, when those were off. Eventually, you die. Hence, vital, right? In order to live, in order to survive, vital. So there were some vital things that they did in order to rebuild. And there are some vital things for us as the church in order to rebuild. This isn't like, oh, that was a nice point. Oh, that was nice, I like that. No, this is vital to the life, health, flow of what God is wanting to do here. The word of God is about to speak to the people of God by the spirit of God in the place of God and we want what he wants, amen? The rebuilding that he's wanting to do here and through here, we want that. So let's look. Let's look. In rebuilding the people, place, and name of God, it is vital that you, in chapter 7, know God wants to use you. Know that God wants to use you. Chapter 7, verse 1 and 2 say this. Now when the wall had been built and I had set up the doors and the gatekeepers and the singers and the Levites had been appointed... I gave my brother Hananiah and Hananiah, the governor of the castle, charge over Jerusalem, for he was a more faithful and God-fearing man than many. Simply put, 
there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people involved in all of the rebuilding. They were put in place and put in position and everyone had to shoulder their own load and carry their own weight and do their own part. It was not just a hired few. It was not just a select few of professionals. It was everyone had a part, a place, a role. In the work that God's wanting to do here, it is vital that you know God wants to use you. It is vital in your life, in you experiencing God, and you participating with God, that you know through and through God wants to use you from day to day. He wants you, I love how that last verse highlights a couple people, and he says, for he was more faithful and God-fearing than many. He was more faithful and God-fearing than many. God wants you to be faithful with the relationships that he has given you. God wants you to be faithful with the resources he has entrusted to you. God wants you to be faithful with the responsibilities God has entrusted to you. May it be said about you, you were more faithful and God-fearing than many. Because your heart is set on him, your eyes are set on him, you know what you have is not because you're so amazing and awesome, but because God has entrusted to you his blessing, his resource, his people, his daughter, his son, his calling. It is vital that you know God wants to use you. And the more you are faithful and God-fearing, the more useful you are to the king in the rebuilding that he wants to do. Amen? Amen. It is vital in the rebuilding of the people of God, the place of God, and the name of God, that you hear, you have ears, I'm not saying it right, <laughs> you have ears that hear, chapter eight. It's vital that you have ears to hear. How many of you have ears? Cool, you got one, and even we're blessed with two. That's awesome. How many of you are here, but you're not really here? Anybody, right? That's very true, right? You could, you could do that. Just because you have ears doesn't mean that you hear. Jesus knows that, right? He emphasized that. That's where that statement comes from, from Jesus himself. You can have ears and you can not be hearing. You can be present and not present. You can be in a marriage and not have ears to hear. But there's something important here in this gathering of the people that takes place in chapter eight. It says, all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded. I think that was like this. Hey, bring the word. I think that's what they said. Bring the word. And all the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. What is that? What is that? 
That's a heart posture, right? That's a heart posture. It's I desire to hear. I desire to receive. I am open. I, I, I want to know what is being said. And so the people of God gather in the place of God with the appointed leaders of God and they share the word of God and they have a heart that's in tune with God. And they want to hear. They want to receive. And there's a beautiful gathering, a beautiful response, a beautiful obedience by faith as they follow the leaders, as they follow the Lord with what God was doing there. And so there's beautiful, worshipful, and it leads into the next point. But it starts here. Ears to hear. Do you have ears to hear? You have ears. We already established that. Are you wanting to hear? Are you wanting God to have his way in you? Is your heart postured in such a way that you are dependent on him? Or do you already know it all? You already know what you want to do today, and there's no room for him. You already know how you're going to spend your resources, and there's no room for him. You already have the answer for all your relationships, and there's no room for him. You already know how to handle your responsibilities, and there's no room for him. In rebuilding, it's vital that we have ears to hear. Humility before the Lord. Contrite before the Lord. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. It's vital. It's vital. Chapter 9 is where we're going to sink deeper. Okay? We're going to do one of those trick shots where you skip, skip, sink deep, and then it pops out again somehow, and then it skips a little more. Okay? It is vital. It is vital in the rebuilding, the people of God, the place of God, the name of God, that you bless your God. You bless your God. Notice what I didn't say, that God blesses you which would be the American way, right? God bless me, God bless me, God bless me. And there's good there, and I'm not poo-pooing that. I, I just think it's important to keep it in check, okay? So there's this wonderful gathering together, chapter nine, verse three, this is what it says. And they stood up in their place, and they read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a quarter of the day, and for another quarter of the day they made confession and worshiped the Lord their God. Isn't that amazing? Doesn't that sound so cool? It sounds long, right? <laughs> How many of you, that's your initial thought? Man, that'd be a long time. But wouldn't that be wonderful to be a part of that? For a quarter of the day, they confessed. For a quarter of the day, the people of God were together in humility and in brokenness and in honesty and genuineness and authenticity and transparency and just sharing from the heart before the Lord with one another. Oh, gosh. You know how honoring that would be to the Lord? That is amazing. And then to worship the quarter of the day? Too cool. At the end of verse 5, it says this, Then the Levite said, that is the appointed leaders, led the people, Stand up and bless the Lord your God from everlasting to everlasting. Stand up and bless the Lord your God from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be your glorious name which is exalted above all blessing and praise. 
there's one chapter that I want you to read out of these six chapters, this is the one. I, I do, I, I encourage you, go home and spend some time in chapter nine. It is beautiful, it's wonderful, it's deep, it's amazing. It is amazing. I'm gonna highlight some points here, some things that are said in this blessing. And I want you to think for yourself, how has that been true for me? How have I experienced God in this way? You alone are God. There is no other. You have kept your promises. You have spoken what is true. You have guided me. You have warned me. You have come down. You have come near to me. You have been forgiving and merciful and gracious. You have been so slow in your anger towards me. Your love is relentless. You have been good to me. You have delivered me. You are great, you are mighty, you are awesome, you are faithful, you have not withheld your spirit from me. Bless you, God. As a dad of four kids from 20 years old to 11, I know about my kids blessing me. And it's not them standing up proclaiming truths at me or me telling them what I want to hear and so tell me, right, this controlled, contrite thing. But it's simply as they trust me, as they trust me as their dad, that blesses me. As they submit to me, that blesses me, especially when they don't understand it or maybe they disagree. That blesses me. As they ask for my help, that blesses me. As they look to me, that blesses me. As they enjoy me and my relationship with them, that blesses me as a dad. As they are generous to others, that blesses me. As they're kind to others, that blesses me. As they repair damage in relationship, man, does that bless me. As they fight for relationship, that blesses me. As a dad, it is no different for your heavenly father. As you submit to him, you bless him. As you obey him and trust him and follow him, you bless your God, your king. As you fight for relationships, as you own your part, you bless him. As you walk in goodness and mercy and justice and truth, you bless him. As you resist temptation, not white-knuckling it because you're amazing at self-control, but dependency on him, looking to him, allowing temptation to temper you, to bring you to your knees, not drive you away from him, but to depend on him, looking up to him, you bless him. As you tell others about him and his goodness, you bless him. As you choose to be kind when someone else is not kind. As you choose to be patient as someone else is not patient, you bless him. As you keep your eyes on him in the midst of hard life, 
you bless him. As you cry out to him in weakness and vulnerability and dependency, you bless him. As you participate with him in what he's wanting to do, you bless him. As you know him and grow in knowing him, you bless him. As you enjoy him and pursue him, you bless him. By word and deed and motivation of the heart and lifestyle, you bless him. Bless your God. It is vital. It is vital, absolutely vital for the rebuilding that God's wanting to do in and through here and out into our community that we bless our God. Lastly, in chapter 10 here, it is vital to the rebuilding that you are committed to caring for God's house. You are committed to caring for God's house. There's this beautiful declaration that happens in chapter 10. The leaders uh, represent the people in this declaration to God and saying, God, I swear I'm not going to do that again. Anybody ever done that? And even in genuineness, right? God, I I am done with that. I'm going to choose you. I'm going to follow you in this way, right? That's exactly what they do. It, It is a beautiful heart response, before the Lord and seeking to do the right thing. This last sentence here uh, summarizes that well. And it says this in verse 39, the second part of it. It says, we will not neglect the house of our God. We will not neglect the house of our God. It is vital in the rebuilding of the people of God, in the place of God, in the name of God, that you do not neglect the house of your God. Not my house, not the elder's house, not lead Pastor Scott's house, not your house. It is vital that you do not neglect the house of your God, God's house, God's house. In season and out of season, it is vital that you do not neglect the house of your God, that you come to God in the house of God, that this is a house of prayer, that we pray, that we remember the Lord's sacrifice through his body, through his blood, that we give, that's something we do as Christians, we give a portion of our, what God has entrusted to us, we give back to God to bless him, to advance his work in and through his people out into the community. What we give here never just stays here. It's what we're about. We're on mission for God. And that we do not forsake the fellowship of the saints. That we are committed to the house of God because you matter to me and I matter to you and we need each other in order to walk this out because as uh, leadership has clearly demonstrated, this is a family. It is a church family. We need one another. It is vital that you do not neglect the house of your God, but that you care. You are committed to caring for God's house. Chapter 11 and 12 uh, finish up in this way here, and we're going to wrap up here. Chapter 11, uh, there is this revitalization project that the leaders go, and they show their ownership in the rebuilding project, and they go and live in it. Who's going to live within Jerusalem, within the walls? And there's a, a, an assignment that takes place there in that. And then chapter 12 is the dedication of the wall. 
And it's this beautiful, sacred ceremony that they take place. And it finishes with this verse, 43. And we started here. And they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. And the women and the children also rejoiced, and the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. There was this natural byproduct of the joy of the Lord filling them and the joy of the Lord being their strength as they did what God was inviting them into and they did it with the help of God and they cared about the things of God, that God filled them with joy, which is far different than chapter one, verse three. Guilt and shame is where they started, right? And then there was this beautiful rebuilding that took place and this rejoicing that took place. How many of you wanna be a part of that here? How many of you wanna be a part of that here? Me too, me too. We are on mission with him and what he's wanting to do, committed to what he's wanting to do. Well, we intentionally meant to keep this message a little shorter and tighter. How many of you are glad I didn't preach for three hours over seven chapters? That's right. Some of, a few of you are disappointed and most of you are relieved because we wanted this message to be a little shorter, a little tighter so that we would be doing less preaching and more praising. Less preaching and more proclaiming. Right here, right now. Would you stand up with me? Let's bless our King. Let's bless our God. And in giving, this is something we do now. So if you need to take that time too, uh, to sit, in what you give to God, to his church, to his storehouse for the advancement of his mission in and through this church out into the community, may that be worshipful. Don't let that simply be just another bill to pay. Bless your God. Pray over that. May God glorify himself in and through that offering. Let's praise our God.